thank you for all that you're doing. All that you've done and all that you're doing and will continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Come on. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe. We're in this series that we're starting officially today called You Asked For It. And we actually actually introduced it, I think about a week and a half or so ago, uh, soliciting questions from you. And we had a a huge response of people who actually wrote down, and this is before we got the digital (laughs) convenience of it all worked out. And so we had a huge response of people that actually wrote down in the notes section of their uh, of their welcome card, their connect card, and turned those into us. And so we had those uh, typed up, and we were able to go through those. And so we want to continue uh, to invite you to turn in questions that you have. So, you know, it's one of those situations where it's like if there was ever a time where you wanted to maybe just sit down and ask somebody a question that you've always kind of wondered what the answer might be or what somebody's viewpoint or what the Bible would have to say about this or that. Well, this is your opportunity. We can talk about anything related to life, you know, related to, you know, relationships, related. I mean, there's literally no right or wrong question. So if you have a question that you would like to throw our way, again, it's not so much what we believe or even from our perspective. We really want to just look at what God's Word has to say and uh, but because you asked for it, we want to let the Bible speak for itself. And so all you have to do, if you want to do the digital version of that, is simply go to uh, or simply get your phone and just type the words RTL ask. That's RTL ask. It's on the screen there. And uh, just text that to the number 97,000 and submit your questions. And again, we're going to have the rest of the month. And again, we're going to have far more questions that we'll be able to actually address or get to just based on time. I'll probably, Michelle and I maybe even uh, will jump on some things related to social media. Maybe have some follow-up things that we'll even do during the week for questions that maybe we just didn't have the opportunity to address due to lack of time. So all that to say, I want to give one more quick uh, update real quick before we dive into um, today's uh, subject matter and and answer some of these questions. I just want to give a quick update. Um, As you all know, summer is officially here. School is is out for the most part now. Can I get an amen for all the, the parents and all the students especially? Uh, but that doesn't last very long because the parents are probably like, uh, okay, the fun is over. Okay, it's time to get back to work. So, but no, seriously, I want to take a moment, give you a quick update as to where we are so far with our Make Your Mark uh, initiative. As many of you know, we're trying to buy 4.7 acres of land. Uh, the deadline on that is at the end of August. Uh, we're set to close somewhere around the 1st of September. And so our goal is to raise $400,000 in cash um, in order to add to money that we've already set aside, that we've been saving. But we're going to need around $800,000 uh, to bring in the form of cash in order to close on the property. Because the property, uh, the purchase price for the property is $1.4 million. And we've got to bring 50% of that to the table. So as of today, we have, uh, and by the way... We, we have right at 90 individuals, 90 families 
that have committed thus far $189,662 in pledges or and in gifts received that, um, that is moving towards. We're almost at the 50% mark of the $400,000 that we need to collect by August the 27th. And so, man, we're making progress, all right? So give yourself a hand there. We're making progress. We're moving the needle, and uh, yes, we're extremely grateful for those who have sown in and invested. And, um, you know, and whether you give $10 or you give 10000 at the end of the day, it's going to take everybody doing what they can in order, in order for us to uh, reach this milestone in really in the history of our church. And so this is our next step to having a permanent place that we can eventually call home at Rethink Life. So Just to clarify, we had money that we have people have given over the past few years. Yes. So we're adding on to that. If you're new, you would say That's that doesn't <laughs> yeah, that doesn't add up. So we, we're adding to what we already have that people have given in the past, and we're so grateful for that as well. Absolutely, absolutely. So we can do it. We can do it with God's help. And so let's continue to be faithful and generous. And you can go online or you can participate in that today. There's brochures in the back if you would like to learn more and participate by making a 90-day uh, commitment or uh, pledge, uh, what many, which many people have already done over the course of the next uh, three months. And so God is at work and, um, and we're excited for what God has in store. Well, let's dive in because they asked for it yes. and uh, we want to dive into some questions. So l- maybe we should kind of set the ground rules real quick. I think that would be great. All right. So here's the deal. Okay. Just in case Michelle and I have a big heated disagreement up here. Okay. No, just kidding. Um, so here's how we're going to play this out in the coming weeks. Um, again, you asked for it. We're going to do the best we can to answer as many questions as we can. We're also going to basically take the questions exactly the way they were written. Because that was a little bit of our challenge, to be honest with you. Um, we're also used to typing that sometimes handwriting can be a bit of a challenge to interpret exactly what somebody may was intending to say. And so to the best of our effort, we're trying to interpret what someone may have intended to say. But we tried to take those pretty much verbatim as is. So the way the questions will appear on the screen um, is basically how we're going to read them and how we're going to attempt to address them and answer them. And then secondly, the other thing too is that we are going to allow the Bible, which is our standard for truth, we're going to let it speak for itself. And there are many, many things, obviously, in the Bible that the Bible speaks specifically to. And so we're going to major on the majors, and when it comes to things that the Bible is very clear and very specific with, related to things that it addresses, we're going to let the Bible speak into that, we're going to stand on that, we're going to embrace that as truth. Whether we agree with it or not, it's what it is. It's the truth of God's Word. And then there are some things that people want to know about, questions that people have, that may not, the Bible may not specifically speak into for various reasons, but there may be a principle behind whatever that question might be from God's Word. And so if it's not a direct command or there's not a specific verse of Scripture, there may be a principle that was being taught contextually. Or maybe something specifically that Jesus was teaching as relates to a principle. So we will take those principles and stand on those principles. And then if there's no specific direct 
uh, correlation related to what the scripture says or a principle that can be applied, then I'm going to share my own perspective. And that's where we can all agree to disagree. Can we just let the ground rules be what it is on the front end, okay? Because, uh, you know, you have your perspective, I have my perspective, and that's okay. But at the end of the day, we're going to learn together. And here's the reason why that's so important. 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. We ought to have a holy reverence for who Christ is, that he is Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. To give the reason for the hope that you have. But here's the key. But do this with gentleness and respect. So when you're, you know, having a conversation with somebody at work and somebody's expressing their opinion, you know, our goal is not to beat them up with the Bible, okay? But at the end of the day, we are to give the hope that is within us, that we have as far as the truth, but do it in a spirit of gentleness and respect. And then here's the foundation 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, Paul said it this way to young Timothy. He said, all scripture, not some of it, all of it, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So God's scripture is truth. It's, God's, it's, it's God breathed. It is without any mixture of error. And so because of that, we're going to rely on the word of God. And the reason why questions are so important is because when you ask profound questions, you get profound answers. James 4 says, we have not because we ask not. And a lot of times, when we, even when we do ask, we even ask with wrong motives. Because we're sometimes trying to get out of something what we want to get out of something. Or read into something that we want something to say. But we're just going to allow God's word to speak for itself. And we're going to ask questions throughout this series so that we can get answers to know how we can give that hope that is within us to those who ask. So those are the ground rules, foundation, moving forward. So good. That's powerful. Good stuff to know for sure. Um, I would encourage you to grab your, your phone and get on your notes app. Uh, not any other app right now, but get on your notes app. Um, or get your piece of paper, your connection card, and write down some of these scriptures. We are not going to have all the scriptures that Pastor Rodney's going to reference um, on the screen today because there's a lot to go through. So um, just make sure you're ready, and let's dive in. I'm going to ask the questions, and I'm going to try to keep us on track and on time. I like to do that. Good any luck one, with that. Any ones on the Enneagram? <laughs> okay. We won't go there, so i got to stay on time. So the first question is such a great question because of all that we have been through over the past few years, even recently some things that have happened in my life personally, it's just overwhelming, and I think we all ask this question at times. Why do bad things happen to good people? So we're just coming out of the gate with a heavy one right here. That is a very, very common question, and it's one that we've all asked probably countless times, in light of various situations and circumstances that would maybe cause us to even ask that question. And obviously when you see things on TV, 
you know, for example, you know, when we see school shootings, when we see innocent victims' lives that are taken. And then on a personal level, when you see someone, I mean, we've walked through this, just like many of you have walked through it or still maybe are walking through some things. But at the end of the day, there are just some things that leave us baffled and even hurt, angry. And sometimes it's confusing because it's like, well, and it's only rightful for us to say, well, God, if you really cared, God, if you really loved me or you loved children or you loved you know, people, innocent people in the world, then why would all these bad things or negative things happen? And those are t- that is just a tough and very difficult, I'm just being honest with you, very, very difficult to be able to answer in a black and white or clear-cut way. It's virtually impossible. You know, you've lost, you lost your dad in COVID. He's he, 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 perhaps one of the godliest people I've ever been around in my life. But yet, his life was shortened, was taken away. My sister was diagnosed with breast cancer right before my dad died. It's like, what, God, what are you doing? Yes. So painful. And we've, we have been at the bedside of parents, young parents who lost, you know, whether it was, you know, stillbirth or miscarriage or, you know, all these different things. And only, the only thing that we can say and the only thing that we have to try with God's help to wrap our minds around is the fact, Deuteronomy 29, 29 says it this way, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. And there are just some things on this side of heaven, to be honest, that we may never ever get clear answers to. And it's not that God is trying to keep things from us. It's not as though he's intentionally or purposefully trying to, you know, hold back the reasons why. But at the end of the day, we also have to realize that we live in a broken, fallen world that is broken and fallen because of sin. And because we live in a sinful, broken, imperfect world, the consequences of that are going to be things and situations and circumstances that we may not fully understand, that we don't like. It brings hurt, disappointment to our lives. But here's the thing. I, I heard someone once say this, that we often think peace is the absence of problems. So it's kind of like if all the problems would just go away, then we could all just live and be in peace, right? And that's what we all want. We all want to kind of live in this little utopia where everything is just perfect and peaceful and there's no problems whatsoever. That, that's a place called heaven, okay? But we also have to understand that true peace is not so much the absence of problems. True peace is the presence of Jesus, So here's the thing, we have to shift our mindset away from why to God, what is it that you want to do in me, through us? What is it that I need to know and understand? Because even though I don't like it, even though I don't agree with it, at the end of the day, here's what we have to be willing to embrace, and that is, God, you are in control. And the moment we understand that God ultimately is in control, even though it may not look like he's in control, but when we embrace the eternal reality that God is God and we are not, and at the end of the day, he is ultimately in control, 
then we can accept that God has a greater purpose. God has an eternal purpose. God has a plan that we may not fully understand on this side of heaven. But one day, as Deuteronomy 20, 20, 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord. One day, I really do believe that we'll have those aha moments when we get to be with Jesus and we can fully understand the full scope from beginning to end, all that God had planned and purposed. You know, God's ways are not our ways. The Bible says his ways are different than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so God sees things from a different perspective than we do. And so I know that's not a very, very clear uh, black and white answer, but I just want to say this to wrap up this question, because I know that often on the other side is hurt. It's, um, it is the pain that people walk through and endure. And if we're not careful, sometimes that that hurt and that pain or those unanswered questions can, if we're not careful, we can go inward with that and we can become angry with God and grow bitter. I've seen this countless times where people walk away from the faith. They walk away from the church because they don't like what God did or they don't have a clear answer as to why God did something. So therefore they just abandon the faith or abandon God altogether. God has not abandoned us. And we got to understand that God knows and he understands. No one empathizes us with, us with us more than God does. And that's why he sent Jesus into the world. Jesus understands. He was acquainted, the Bible says, with suffering. He fully knows and understands what it means to suffer. No one suffered more than Jesus suffered. But God, the Bible says in Psalm 56, verse 8, listen to this. David said, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. And you have recorded each one in your book. So nothing misses God. And whatever hurt, whatever disappointment, whatever tragedy you've encountered, you need to understand God knows, he cares, and God is keeping record of every tear that we shed. Revelation 21, verse 4, says it this way. He, one day, eventually, he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain, and all these things are, will be gone forever. Aren't you grateful that there is, a, there is a living hope that we have in this life because of a hope that we have for eternity? And one of these days... God will set it all straight. Listen, he will answer all questions and make those secret things known to all of us for all eternity. And I think we just need to understand that. That's why Jesus said, in this world you will have problems. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen? So today I hope that helps uh, answer that question. And just, just, a, just a little bit. I think you said it at the beginning that we live in a fallen world. Yeah. The, there's good and evil in this fallen world. Absolutely. The thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus has come to give us life and life to the full. And every good and perfect gift comes from God. Mm. And I think that we have to be aware of that per eternal perspective that it, we're in a fallen world for sure. Absolutely. And God doesn't cause 
those bad things to happen. Right. He might allow some things to happen, and that's where that's hard for me to understand. But I I trust in the word that that you've spoken. But God doesn't cause bad things to happen to us. Absolutely, Romans eight twenty eight is a great great verse of scripture where it basically says that very thing that God doesn't cause bad things to happen but God causes good things to come out of the bad according to his purposes and so we have to realize and understand again he is in control and he has a plan and he has a purpose God doesn't cause those things why because as Michelle just emphasized because we live in a fallen world that is a result and a consequence of sin so there's going to be pain, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be all kinds of things. But the Bible says that God reigns you know, the, the, on the just and on the unjust in the sense that he's fair. And even though it doesn't sometimes appear to be fair or right, but God is God and we are not. And he is ultimately in control. We have to accept that God has a greater plan and purpose. And, according, and, 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 and until those things are truly revealed to us... We have to walk by faith and accept God's promises and trust that he knows best along the way. Amen. That's good. That's great. Okay, so number two kind of builds on this. Why is the Bible so hard to understand? Man, they, they, they were like, like surface question. Yeah. It's kind of like. Just kidding. There was no like, hey, what's your favorite color or flavor <laughs> ice cream do you like? Um. But yeah, that's a great question. Why is the Bible so hard to understand? Um, first and foremost, the Bible will not, when, spiritual things will never make sense to anybody who doesn't know God, have a relationship with God. So that's first and foremost. Because when we develop a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell within our hearts and lives... Well, the scripture begins to come to life to us in new ways because the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. God speaks to us through his word. We speak to God through prayer and there's this communication that happens. But even through all of that, there are still a lot of complexities. There are still a lot of mysteries in the Bible that again on this side of heaven... We may not fully, fully understand. As a matter of fact, even the sharpest biblical mind scholars, there is. Still, only in, in, a, in the form of speculation can speak to certain things, but still don't know for certain about certain things. And I think one of the reasons for that is for a couple of reasons. The one is because of time and culture. So when you think about when the Bible was written, when you think about... Um, depending on what part of the Bible you actually are reading, whether it's Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, there could be anywhere from 3,400 to potentially 1,900 years in terms of just historical data and time in terms of when those scriptures, when those revelations were recorded. And then in addition to that, um, you have to also look back time, culture, so when you think about first century, when you go back in time, looking when it comes to a world view through the eyes of a shepherd, okay, is different than a computer scientist looking at the world in 2023. 
Two completely different time perspectives. But at the same time, there are certain things, culturally speaking, and there are certain things related to, you know, points of reference or specific interpretation or maybe principles related to things that were relevant or perhaps speaking to that moment in time, but at the same time still transcends today in 2023 because God's Word is timeless. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so at the end of the day, those transferable truths, even though they meant one thing to a shepherd and mean something... (laughs) Today, in the, in the eyes of a computer scientist, we have to take those things into consideration when it comes to time and when it comes to culture. Another thing is that the Bible contains different types of literature. So think about this for a moment. It contains history, law, poetry, songs, wisdom literature, prophecy, personal letters, and apocalyptic, uh, apocalyptic uh, literature. And so when you think about uh, the... Um, Prophetic and apocalyptic, apocalyptic, I'm getting tongue twisted here, uh, type of literature, it's harder to interpret things such as uh, poetry from that type of literature. So again, you have to take all of these things into consideration. And then another thing that I think is really important is to understand that when you look at Time and when you look at the different types of culture and you look at the different types of literature, there are some things that we have to realize that the, in, the exact interpretation of what was then and what is today, we have to look at the Bible not as separate pieces of a whole, but it's almost like a rope. So there are 66 books in the Bible, okay? So rather than seeing each book as separate from the whole, it's like a rope that has 66 knots woven through it. It's all connected. So from beginning to the end, from Genesis through Revelation and everything in between, is saying and communicating the exact same redemptive story. Does that make sense? So we have to realize that God's from creation to his coming again to, you know, everything in between, we have to realize it is all a part of God's love letter to you and to me. It is God's redemptive story from beginning to end. So when you take that into consideration, at the end of the day, we have to break it down into very practical, daily devotion when we look at God's word as God's way of communicating his will, his plan, his purpose, how we're supposed to live. It's like I read at the very beginning in 2 Timothy. It's it's God's playbook, if you will, for our lives. And so we have to understand all of those pieces along the way as we read and study God's word. Just a shameless plug real quick. Um, we are actually, with it being Life Group Launch Day, we, I wanted to just say that 
I've been doing a life group with about 30 people on the uh, Uversion, the Bible app, and it is a chronological reading of the Bible. And what's phenomenal about it is every day we get to have interaction and discussion as, as to that woven thread or that rope that is going throughout the Bible. And it's just phenomenal. And we have some amazing people in that group that give such great depth and wisdom to understanding yeah. what you're reading on that day. If you'd like to be a part of it, just let me know. Michelle was going to work on getting it on the website again uh, for our life groups, but I, I would love to invite you to be a part of that, as well as we're going to Israel in November, and it's such a phenomenal opportunity to see all of this come to life oh, yeah. and to learn from the people there, their culture, and to hear of, of the shepherd's life and different things like that. So anyway, yeah, there's there nothing really that will bring the Bible to life and give you a greater perspective and a greater hunger and right. thirst to know the God of the Bible than when you go and walk it. It's truly amazing. I want to say one other thing, and that is the fact that is, is the fact that we are fallen, sinful individuals, and because of sin, that's what sometimes limits our understanding, our 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 ability to retain and understand the true things of God. That's the reason why, if we don't have a relationship with God, those things don't make any sense to us. But at the end of the day, we have to realize that as we approach God's word, and as you read God's word, let me just give you something very practical, and then we'll move on. We have to ask questions of the Bible. So when we're reading the Bible, we have to ask, okay, well, when was it written? Okay. Number two is, where was it written? Uh, Who was it written to? What is the person saying? What was going on? in the given situation and context of, of, of who they were writing to, and then ultimately why were they writing it. So you, you, now you have a better perspective of the context as to why they were saying the things that they were saying, and that goes back to the different types of literature, so it ties it all together. And then ultimately how? So how do I apply this? How do I put it into my context? How does this truth... How does this revelation, how does this principle, how does it apply to my life, to my full understanding of who God is, how I see things, how I make decisions, how I treat my wife, how I raise my children, how I spend my time, how I spend my money. It it has everything to do with the relevancy of how we live our lives today because we're living our lives according to God's plan rather than our plan. And so that's the reason why it's so important on a practical level that we get a good Bible. And what I, what I refer to as an easy to understand you know, translation. So if you're trying to understand it all through King James, nothing against King James. I think it's wonderful. But at the end of the day, get something like a New International Version, NIV, or the New Living Translation, NLT, or uh, one that's not even fully completed yet, but it's a new, new more modern translation like uh, the Passion Translation, or even a paraphrased, you know, the message. All of those, what does it do? It just gives different perspective, the Amplified Bible. All of those things give different perspectives. Get a good commentary. My all-time favorite commentator, is a, is a, is a, he's already gone on to be with the Lord, uh, died about a year, year and a half ago. His name was Warren Wearsby, all-time favorite commentator. Read the Life Application Bible, the Life Application Notes. Get good 
tools and resources that will help give perspective and shed light on a lot of the questions that are, can, can be overwhelming or even intimidating at times as we read God's Word. But don't allow that to keep you from reading it, okay? It's not about reading the Bible, it's about getting the Bible into you. That's the key. Okay. All right. Two questions left. Sure, sure. It doesn't matter. Let's go for it. Okay. There's so much to, uh, to discuss. As you can see, right? It's, it's a lot. So, um, so we won't be able to get to all the questions, but shall we jump into one of the most difficult ones of our culture today? Sure. What is that? Okay. If Jesus loves homosexuals and transgenders as he loves all of us, how can we say that homosexuals and transgenders are sinners? And again, this is exactly what the question that was written. We did not change the question. So if Jesus loves homosexuals and transgenders as he loves all of us, how can we say then homosexuals and transgenders are sinners? So I'm short on time. I got to answer that question. All right. So here we go. Well, let me just, in the way, and again, don't always fully understand perhaps the context of what somebody was trying to communicate, but I'll do the best I can to, to answer that. So how can we say then homosexuals and transgenders are sinners if Jesus loves homosexuals and trans, trans, transgenders as he loves all of us? Well, at the end of the day, we are all sinners, Okay. Can, can, can anybody agree on that one? Would you say we're all sinners? I mean, I'll, I'll be the Apostle Paul said, hey, I'm the chief of, of sinners. So I am a sinner. We're all sinners. In other words, it's, what is sin? Sin is missing the mark of God's holy, perfect standard. So we've fallen short. I have fallen short. Romans 3.10 says there's none righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So therefore we've all sinned. But the good news is, is that, yes, God loves us as sinners. Romans 5, 8, God proved, he actually demonstrated his love towards you and me while we were still sinners. The Bible says Christ died for us. So it's not about them and those people and this group and that group. We're all in that group. I heard someone would say, just because someone sins different than you, what gives you the authority to point out their sin? So we're all sinners. And at the end of the day, we all have the seed of Adam. We all have a bent towards badness. We all have a sin nature. And so because of that, whether it's you know homosexuality, whether it's you know transgender, issues, sexual identity issues, whether it's a cocaine addiction, a pornography addiction, a nicotine addiction, a gambling addiction. I mean, we could go on and on. Pick your color, pick your flavor, pick your vice, pick your sin. At the end of the day, it's what Jesus did. He died on the cross for all of our sin. Period. So... If you read Romans chapter 1, which I highly encourage you to do so, 
Romans chapter 1, Paul starts out. In fact, the whole entire book of Romans actually is the theme of the book of Romans is the righteousness of God. And yet Paul introduces the letter by having to deal with the unrighteousness of man. So we have to understand that everything that we see, everything that right now is getting all the hype and the attention, and that, that right now is, is everybody's looking at the symptoms. And everybody's trying to categorize and label the symptoms. Well, you can label the symptoms all day long, but there is a root issue behind all of these issues going on, and it's called sin. And so until our hearts are made right with God because of what Jesus made possible, which is salvation and forgiveness of sin, we can't save ourselves. And we can't try to make bad people good. Only God can change the hearts of people. Only God can change the minds. Only God can transform the human heart. Yeah, we can't make ourselves good. No matter how much you go to church or even how much you try to read the Bible, at the end of the day, listen, we are saved by grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. So there's nothing we can do. Salvation is not something we do for God. No, it's something he's already done for us. But we have to realize, like Jeremiah 17, 9 says, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. In fact, I want to read a verse of scripture in Matthew 15, 19. It says it this way. It's actually, Jesus is actually talking about inner purity. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is sexual immorality. Whether it's sex before marriage, sex outside of the marriage relationship, homosexuality, however you want to spin it, sexual immorality is sin. Theft, lying, slander. These are what defile you, is what Jesus is saying. But here's the good news. I want to read something, and I know we're running out of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I think this, is, this ought to be something we ought to constantly keep in front of us and share with people who have a lot of questions about this issue. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11 says it this way. And this is Paul, the apostle, writing to a group of Christians, believers, at the church of Corinth. And here's what he said. He said, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Now notice this is huge right here, this transition. Some of you were once like that. In other words, you used to live this kind of lifestyle. You used to think those ways. You used to do those things. You used to be like that. But here's what he went on to say. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And I love the fact that God is a loving God. He is a redeeming God. And listen, 
Only God can change the heart and the lives of people. We can't. So we got to love them. we got to point them to Jesus, point them to the truth. But at the end of the day, we got to realize that we are all sinners. And God loves us, and God wants nothing, nothing more than for us to be in a right relationship with Him. And we got to help people understand that. we got to help point them in that direction. All right. Amen. God, give us your eyes, right, your heart, your, your hands, your feet. Let us be your love to our world. Got time for one more? I'll make it short. Okay, let's do it. Favorite color? <laughs> All right. Um, last question. Do you have to be baptized to be a Christian? Uh, the answer to that question on the short end is no. Um, Case in point, I guess, would be the thief on the cross. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, in that moment, you know, of that guilty thief, that, that sinner that was on the cross, Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. And in that moment, there is evidence that that thief had believed in his heart that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was Lord. But in the New Testament, the church, again, comes after the cross. And when you, look at the, when you look at the early church, the book of Acts, and you look at what Jesus told his disciples, and you think about everything he told his disciples to do, Great Commission, Matthew 28, to go into all the world, you know, preach, teach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching everyone to observe, to learn God's ways. And baptism doesn't save anybody. Jesus is who saves us. But what baptism is, it's like the wedding band of salvation. Baptism is symbolic of what Jesus did on a cross for us, and it's also symbolic of what Jesus has done inside of us. So when we're buried with Christ and we go down into the water, we go under the water, we're being just like Christ when he was buried. We come up out of the water, we're being just like Christ when he came back to life. So in essence, we're saying goodbye to the old life. We're saying hello, we're embracing a new life that has been brought about in our hearts and lives. So baptism is a command given to us in Scripture. And I can't think of a single reason why anybody would even want to delay that process. Because it's a beautiful picture of God's redeeming love and what he's done in our hearts and lives. It's a wonderful way for us to even be a witness and a testimony, which is really what baptism is all about. To those around us, friends, family, so they can see and they can celebrate with us the changed life that we've encountered because of Christ. Even though we're still a work in progress, we're not the same people anymore. We are made new in Christ Jesus. And that's why I'm excited about next Sunday for our beach baptism. And if that's something you've never done, maybe you've never taken that step to truly honor the Lord in this way, man, I would encourage you. you text, uh, just go to RTL, just text RTL uh, I decided, RTL I decided to the number 97,000, or you can 
make a note there on the uh, Connect card or go out to the Connect tent on your way out. But at the end of the day, hey, if you've never been baptized by immersion, water baptized, since you've become a follower of Jesus, I just want to encourage you. Don't procrastinate. Don't put that one off. I've, I've, I don't know how many people we've baptized. I know That's what I was going to say. Personally. We have so, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just saying, probably, I don't know. Over thousands. Yeah. Hundreds, thousands of people yeah. in over the last 30 years, I've had the opportunity to baptize. I've never had a single person come up out of the water after being baptized going, man, that was the worst mistake ever made. Man, there's usually tears of joy and celebration, and it's just a moment. It it's truly amazing. is. It's amazing. The stories, obviously, over the years that we have seen and how it jumpstarts your faith. It is yeah. that first command after you're giving your life to Christ. Well, why is that? Because it, it, it tells others, and it's, it's incredible. I think of my beautiful friend that is sitting here today. She got baptized a few months ago, and then her whole family came and got baptized. That's what the Bible talks about. Yeah. It's exciting, and it jumpstarts your faith. She's sending me notes, and just just to see how she's come from here to here, just like God is at work in her life. There is there's such blessing on the other side of faithfulness. Amen. And um, I I don't know. I get super fired up about that. I was baptized as a young uh, as a young girl. And I didn't understand all that I was doing at that point. At least I, I, I didn't. I knew, I understood what I was doing, but I did not understand all the Christian life. I didn't understand the whole Bible. You know, it's not like you have to be perfect to be baptized. It's just your first step. Yeah. And I remember everything about being baptized. And I was baptized again in the Jordan River in Israel three years ago by my dad. And oh my gosh, I mean, it was incredible. It's it was the coldest water I've ever been in my life, but I wouldn't change it for the world. So if you haven't taken that step, I just highly encourage you to do so. We've just seen it over and over and over again, how God uses it just to really jumpstart your faith. Yeah, so good. Well, we're going to continue the conversation next week. We'll, we'll uh, pick up on uh, those that we didn't get a chance to um, uh, to get to today, we only left out like a couple, I think. But we'll carry those over to next week. Plus, only add half. add new ones. No, add new ones um, to the mix um, as you submit those. So once again, we would encourage you to submit those questions. Uh, just text RTL ask to ninety seven thousand, and we'll take those and uh, we'll answer your questions. We trust this has been helpful and practical. And uh, if anything, it stirs your faith and gives you a, a hunger and a desire to go to the scriptures and to seek God's wisdom and get guidance and direction from God's word. I know this, the more time you spend in the word of God, reading scripture, the more the scripture is going to come to life to you. And don't get overwhelmed by all the stuff you don't fully understand. And there's some, to be honest with you, there's some boring parts when you read, you know, read the Bible, you know. I'm in Song um, of Solomon. It's very, not boring. Yeah, it's, it's, it gets, yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. So anyway, but yeah, when you get into all the begats and all the history yeah. and the lineage of stuff, it can get pretty monotonous. But at the end of the day, again, it's all a part of God's redemptive story. And um, I love the practicality of God's word and its truth and what it means to our everyday lives. Well, let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your word, the Bible says, will never ever return void. Lord, we thank you that your word is like a seed. That, Lord, sometimes it falls on a hardened path. And sometimes the enemy wants to come and uh, take it away. And sometimes it falls on those parts of our lives, the soil. Lord, that is choked out because of the busyness of life. But Lord, we pray for your seed to fall on fertile hearts that are ready to receive and to fully embrace your truth and your word. And I pray that today, that Lord, that some of the things that we talked about, Lord, I realize that Lord, we still may not fully understand or have clear answers to things that maybe are important to us. But God, I pray, if anything, that you'll keep our hearts soft, that your gentle whisper, your voice, become very real and very evident. That God, as your word leads us, as it guides us, as it teaches us, as it corrects us, as it encourages us and gives us light and hope. Father, I pray that we'll never ever lose sight of your great love for all of us. That you want nothing more than to know us and for us to know you, to have a relationship with you. And I pray for those here today, or maybe those that are watching online, if they have never put their faith in Jesus, if you're here in the room or online and you have never personally put your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus Christ, can I just invite you right where you are? It begins at that point. It begins in your heart by opening up your heart and receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, receiving his forgiveness and his salvation. If that's your need, would you be willing to pray this prayer? Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I turn from my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And by faith, I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul today. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed and the woods looking, if you prayed that prayer, would you let me know by just holding up your hand high toward heaven today, saying, yes, I just prayed that prayer, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Just slip it up high. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you over here. Thank you, sir. Those online, thank you so much. Father, we are grateful for how you have moved and worked in this place. We acknowledge your presence. And, Lord, we pray that today as we come close to you, you would come close to us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, somebody. Let's give God all the praise and glory he deserves today. Let me just share um, in conclusion, if you prayed that prayer with us in the room, we would love to know that. You can take your Connect card. Uh, just put a little check there. If you have the uh, the pen handy, just put a check mark in that little blue box saying that you... Uh, 
put your faith in Jesus, that you're accepting him as your Lord today. Uh, or you can, text your, you can text that response to RTL, I decided. It's for the, uh, salvation as well as for baptism because you're making that decision today. So RTL, uh, I decided to the number 97,000. And we'd love to know. And uh, if you're interested in being baptized, again, you can use that same reference there, RTL, I decided. Or you can go to the Connect tent. But we would love to know and we need to know if you are planning to be baptized. That's your first and best next step. Uh, next Sunday, we'll be having an orientation immediately following the service for everybody that's planning to be baptized. Uh, we'll, we'll help kind of give you all the need to knows and the details of that uh, before we head out to the beach. And then today, right after we are dismissed, uh, for those of you uh, who can, we'd love to invite you to be a part of what we call our welcome party. It's not very long. We feed you lunch. It's just a great opportunity for us to put faces and names together, for you to get to know us, for us to get to know you, and to learn a little bit more about the heartbeat of our church and what we believe that God is calling us to do and the vision that he has for our lives. And uh, let's continue to be faithful. I shared uh, this past week in a little uh, video that went out to the church family uh, just the summer. I know a lot of people are out and about, going to take some time to see friends and take some uh, well-deserved family vacations or whatever. And we always, always encourage that. But at the same time, the church doesn't go on vacation. Our faith should never go on vacation. And so let's continue to be faithful and uh, let's, let's continue to ask God how he would lead us to participate uh, with our Make Your Mark initiative. So a lot of critical things that are happening this summer. So even though we may be physic physically gone, let's keep our hearts connected to the church and to ultimately allow the ministry to continue to thrive and be strong and vibrant the way God had intended for it to be. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the privilege today of worshiping you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege we have to be able to give. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to give. We get to give. And Lord, thank you. There's joy in giving. So today as we give sacrificially, as we give obediently, Lord, may you be pleased. May you be glorified. Thank you for all that, you're, all that you've done and all that you're doing and will continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on. If that's your need, would you say, dear God? I am a sinner. Turn my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross. And by faith, I invite you into my life. Forgive me and to save Jesus. For saving my soul today. As no one's looking, no, but just holding up your hand and saying, yes, I just prayed that prayer. Let's slip it up. Thank you over here. Thank you so full for how you moved and worked in this place. Lord, we pray that today, as we come close to you, we come close. We pray that Jesus' mighty name. Come on. God, all the praise and glory he deserves.